Today, I'm joined by Siavash Tavoshe, who together with Dr. Saed Abadi, wrote the recently published State of the Field article called The Struggle for Recognition, Ontological Security, and the Case of China as a Rising Power. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, so first of all, how did you get to writing this article? Uh, first, thank you so much for having me. Um, actually, two years ago, after an intimate conversation with a friend of mine on Hegel's Master and Steve Dialectic, I was too captured by the story. So the story for me was terrifying and quite compelling at the same time. So the parable was interesting enough for me to write and read about it. So I think it is very important to talk about this story and then we can go to the other questions. So as I discuss in the article, in the master and slave dialectic, Hegel tends to explore the social dimension of human interaction. So this had made me more interested to understand this dynamic. So to give you an overview, after examining the realm of consciousness, as Hegel says, and self-consciousness, he steps into a new section in the phenomenology where he introduces two living characters or beings for the first time. So uh, basically in this conceptually, I call it equivocal part, Hegel attempts to elucidate the nature of human desire in relation to other individuals or self-consciousnesses. This was really, really interesting for me. So in more concrete terms, Hegel traces the nature of human conflict-seeking incentives in a way in virtue of individuals' so-called desire for recognition. So by emphasizing on some of the main, uh, how do we say this, components of human social dimension, the self-consciousnesses or being, as I said, are indicated as two subjects, which constantly desire to be acknowledged and recognized intersubjectively via the other self-consciousnesses. So what matters in this part is that both self-consciousness are very much involved in constructing each other. So I was really interested to know how this process works at the individual level and also at the state level. For instance, at the individual level, Hegel uses the word Abheben. Abheben is the German word which suggests that, which means to eat, to destroy, or to race to the ground. So what Hegel tries to say in this story is that the desire, it's a desire to destroy. But what matters in, in a sense is that when you try to destroy the other side or the other side of the social interaction, in fact, you're devastating the social space for recognition. So in this social battle, which I was so much captured with, uh, we see that both characters ceaselessly desire to subordinate the other self, to articulate their own so-called pure I or true identity. So, as soon as each self-consciousness begin to interact with one another, they realize that both beings are in fact, as Hegel says, in itself and at the same time out of itself. So it means that without the other side, there is no recognition. So at the social, at the individual level, I was very much interested to know how important a person can be in my social interactions at the individual level first and after that, at the estate level. So what seems to be significant is that the self-consciousnesses can only receive the state of total recognition, as Hegel says, in interaction with the other side. So if one side wants to destroy the other and rise aggressively to the other side, the question would be, how can they recognize each other? So therefore, both sides decide not to kill each other, but to make the other side to recognize them. 
by and large, when I was thinking about this at the state level, I thought that states are very much concerned with the recognition of ontological security discussions in order to articulate their desired identity, like China, like Brazil, like India, and many states that are too much interested and very much involved in this kind of narratives. So, so going back to your question, I think rising powers such as self-consciousnesses in the phenomenology of the spirit by Hegel deeply desire to be recognized and they are looking forward to achieve ontological security. Basically, this was the reason that I tried to write this paper besides the co-author, Dr. Saidova. Fantastic. So what do you see as the article's key takeaway? Honestly, uh, the, the mainstream IR theories would argue that power transitions are principally a material phenomenon in the world politics. So the growing material power of one state can set the stage for more conflict and war among both the established powers and the growing powers in international system. In contrast, what I'm trying to do through Michel Murray and Stephen Ward, uh, Stephen Ward is to, work, to provide the different narratives. So the article highlights that major shifts in distribution of power among states is not a sufficient reason for conflict and provocative behaviors among rising states. So as I, as I, as I discussed through Marian Ward, uh, they also highlight that most material competitions such as the arm race and security dilemma have at their core a social tendency for recognition and ontological security to achieve great power status in the international society. So the experience of misrecognition and ontological security can urge rising states such as China to miserably struggle for recognition and often act provocatively. So misrecognition of China's positive identity marker, as I discussed in the article, would press China's under strong national narratives. So these arguments are very important in this discussion. And biographical routines uh, can pursue China, as I think, to adopt recognitive practices. I, I encounter with this terminology through Michelle Murray that she says that sometimes the states, in order to mitigate their social anxieties, try to militarize and increase their sphere of influence on the globe to show how powerful they are, how unique they are. So what matters the most is that even the normatively dissatisfied states with weak economic and military status are looking forward to act uh, conflictually as opposed to the realist arguments in order to show how important they are or in order to, to basically sustain their national narratives. So states desire to have a particular type of security. A state with strong biographical narratives and routine would like to be, how do we say this? Uh, this they, they would be disinclined to, to tolerate being misrecognized or to become ontologically disconnected from their national narratives. What matters the most from my perspective and also the co-author is that power can, powers can take provocative act, uh, behaviors against the established powers too, no matter if they are powerful or they are basically economically rich. So in the absence of a shared history and a common narrative among, for example, among China or the US, as Dr. Murray explains, the American elites should actively engage in fulfilling and legitimizing China's aspirant identity as a, as a rising power. So this was really important for this paper, saying that it, 
that, that a great power like the US should avoid misrecognizing and disrespecting China's normative concerns in the liberal international order, for example, by constructing a common space to deal with the international issues such as the climate change. Unfortunately, we didn't see this during the Trump's administration, but now this would be a great space for both states in order to mitigate uh, China's social anxiety as a rising power. So I think this is a very important uh, aspect of this paper. How do you think the focus on ontological security over material and rational factors helps us better understand great and rising powers? Basically, the core idea is that rising states' material and social needs matter in understanding rising states' provocative behavior. So this doesn't mean that the material aspects of the international politics are less important or the social aspects are more important. So what matters in these states um, as, as, a social, as a social entity uh, is that they want to sustain their collective narratives and historical backgrounds, and they strongly desire to be recognized. So this is not a simple form of recognition. This is very important. This is not a mainstream IR argument. So they're looking forward to have this, not a seen form of recognition, but a thick form of recognition. So it's, it, it is very important to know that thick recognition is the situation where one of the parties acknowledges the another subject's fundamental features of their identity as a distinct social identity. So recognition requires established powers to totally acknowledge rising powers and to entitle them as a recognized state uh, basically implies that those legitimized actors can possess certain qualities to alter the norm and, uh, and to work in the international system. But the fact of the matter is that recognition does not happen overnight. So it's not always peaceful. So in other words, when rising states get to become ontologically secure, it means that they get the chance to freely articulate their desired identity. And this situation can pave the way for them to achieve recognition. So broadly stated the, that rising states such as, such as individuals deeply desire recognition. So I said this uh, many times. So recognition of one social identity legitimizes rising states' material power as well. This is very important. So this means that one as a rising power would literally feel socially insecure when their significant other, for example, in the case of US and China, does not recognize them as a great power. So this situation can often lead into conflict. So misrecognition can lead to into ontological anxiety. So what do we do when our significant other doesn't recognize us? So this is a very simple question. So we try to let them know that we deserve to be recognized. So we as social anxious entities in this situation, try to look right into their eyes and say, hey, look at me, recognize me. So I think these arguments are very important in understanding US and China relationship from both social aspects and the material aspects. So as I said that the social aspects are not more important, both aspects should be considered at the same time. But we have to understand that the nature of material competitions are basically a social phenomena. And I have also uh, emphasized on this. So lastly, if you were writing the article now after this month's increase of tensions with China, Taiwan, and the US, would you change any parts of it? Um, this is very important to know that my article is basically trying to be an opening discussion rather than an analytical test. So the core argument of this argument would stay the same, 
But I think that this can basically explain the US and China relation or a struggle or conflict in terms of Taiwan and even Hong Kong. Uh, so I would basically add maybe two arguments. So the first argument would be that uh, the social factors can make rising powers or even weak powers to use their material power in order to defend their national identity rather than their national interest. I think most of the conflicts that the US has in uh, South China Sea and Taiwan is that uh, it's immersed in normative conflict. So as Dr. Lebo in his recent book talks, he says that the conflict between US and China in this specific area is basically the war, uh, the war of egos rather than the war of interest. So I would think that these arguments would make sense for many people who would like to work on this specific topic, I didn't cover them all. So I would like, I would have tried to be an opener for this discussion. But I think, for example, many discussions in terms of order, contentions, ontological seeking uh, uh, states in the South China Sea in terms of Taiwan would make lots of sense and uh, would nicely explain many of these questions. Fantastic, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.